Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. This is episode 14 of season 3, and I'm your host as always, Andy Davis. Today we're talking about installation again. The continuing high demand in retail is putting enormous pressure on existing installers and highlighting even more the critical shortage of quality new installers. Put simply, there aren't enough fits to go around. So is there anything retailers can do right now to fix this? Spoiler alert, no. And what part can they play in making sure this never happens again? We've got an absolutely fascinating discussion with the return of Damien Walters from the BIKBBI and Mark Conacher from Liberty Fitting Services. Don't miss this one as we touch on so many things that directly affect you. But first... I don't know about you, but the one thing I've missed during all the lockdowns has been actually seeing people in three dimensions and from the waist down. So what better place to fix that than at the biggest post-lockdown industry networking and social event, the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2021. It's on Wednesday, September the 15th at the iconic and spectacular Liverpool Cathedral, and there's no better place to entertain key clients and mix with the most influential people in the industry, and me. Getting quick as we're down to the last few tables, so go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards for all the details. Okay, let's get an update now on what's happening in the installation side of the industry with a couple of friends of the podcast. We have Damien Walters, who's the Chief Executive of the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation. Hello, Damien. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, sir. And we have Mark Conacher, who's the Managing Director of Liberty Fitting Services in Dundee. Hello, Mark. Good morning, Andy. Thanks to you both for joining me, but particularly thanks to you, Mark, because anyone who has heard you on here before will know that while Liberty is based in Dundee, you actually run it from your home in... Vancouver, in Canada. That's right. So as we record this, for Damien and I, it's nine o'clock in the morning, but for you it is... Uh, (laughs) 1am. It is 1am for you, so thank you so much for still being up and for tuning in at such a ridiculous hour of the morning. So thank you very much. That's all good. So, right, Damien, let's start with you, because during the lockdowns, you issued some very valuable and appreciated guidance for installers working safely in people's homes. But now with the governments across the UK now removing pretty much all the COVID-related restrictions, what is your current guidance? How has it changed? Well, thanks for the kind feedback. Yeah, we've had a busy year, there's no doubt about it. And yeah, as you quite rightly said, we've moved into a a new phase for coronavirus. And if you've been out any time recently, and I was out over the weekend for the first time in a long time, you'd be forgiven for thinking that the the whole thing's gone away. Uh, Everybody's having fun on the streets of London, according to, to my weekend. But that's not to be said as far as the industry's concerned, I think. Whilst there's, there's, you know, green shoots of optimism to be had in terms of the way things are going. And I think the numbers are, you know, are looking better, albeit lots of people still being uh, tested positive. And the reality is, is that we just need to be really quite careful in terms of the way that we go about business. And our advice across all of our members in all the countries that we cover is to just remain uh, optimistically quite cautious around their dealings with their customers. From a, an installer and an on-site perspective, we're saying just just use your common sense, make sure cleanliness is at the very highest of your priorities. If you can keep social distancing in play, then please do so. But obviously, you know, one of the key points at the moment is around whether or not people are showing symptoms of the virus or, or indeed have been pinged and to follow NHS guidance uh, accordingly. But we're pleased to see things continue to move for us 
Andy, but I think we just need to be very careful and very sensible about how we do it. Yeah, I think that is very sensible. So, look, Mark, what's your view on the practical boots-on-the-ground aspect of this? What's your view on your guys in and out of people's homes at the moment? We've tried to just stick to what we know now, it's especially with the, the social distancing, keeping customers out of the way. That's been a, that's been a great thing. <laughs> For many reasons, I meant in the best possible way, but, but, but keeping that distance and just being very visual about what we're doing and reminding people that uh, like that, as you say, like the cleanliness and we're still wiping surfaces down before we leave. No, we're carrying on regardless because it is still there and we don't need guys going down and going off off sick. That's not going to help us any. That's that's our kind of policy. I've never changed it. And what about the, the customers themselves? Are they wary of it? Are they conscious of it? Are you having to remind them of it? Or are they just so pleased to see you because there's such a shortage of people that they're, they're not thinking about it at all? Again, nothing's changed on that. They've always been very relaxed about it. Um, I've always found it very surprising. Businesses are they're forced into acting appropriately, whereas a client is kind of comfortable in their own house and, and it seems to, to disappear in their mind as to how vigilant we need to be. So, so yeah, sometimes we, we do need to try. We are trying to distance ourselves from the customer a little bit. But yeah, they're they're still they're they're very relaxed and and they always have been, which hasn't always been the best thing. I guess you're right. For them, it's their home, but for you, it's your workplace. Uh, yeah. And there's two diff- there's two different sets of rules that apply to that, even in, in your own mind. By us being visual, that's our way of reminding them. I think if, if we can make them see what we are doing, then then that kind of triggers the oh yeah, we're in the middle of a pandemic here. We better do our bit and just give the guys their space. So can you give us an idea, Mark, of just how busy you are right now and how far ahead you're booking jobs into? Well, we're booking into December just now, which is miles ahead of what we would normally be, for sure. Just extremely busy. Our guys are flat out. On one hand, is a great thing, but on the other hand, it's we need breathing room as well. You need to, The guys need to be able to stop and think about what they're doing. They can't just be 100% all the time, which is the case at the minute. Like to Tom and myself, we're trying to juggle that and make sure that the guys are okay and look after them. But yeah, it's extremely busy at the minute. And there's so many factors involved in that, isn't it? Because you might have a three-day window or four-day window to go and put someone's bathroom in, for example, but then the products don't turn up because there's a shortage of, of products. And there's logistical aspects of that too. And suddenly the whole schedule just kind of completely falls apart very quickly, I guess. That's the scary bit. We've been quite fortunate with that. that we, we haven't really been hit too, too badly. And when we have been, we'll be able to switch to a different appliance. Our customers have been understanding about it and, and just want the job complete. Um, so, but we haven't been hit too, too bad so far. Fingers crossed for that. But yeah, when you're crammed so tightly and there's no wiggle room, <laughs> it just takes the slightest hiccup and it could come crashing down round about you if you're not careful. I mean, no wiggle room there, Damien. Is that pretty reflective of, of installers across the board, do you think? Oh, well, Andy, we are we are really seeing the effects now of this skill shortage, uh, I must say. And yes, in answer to your question, we're seeing it right across the board. Average lead times well into December now. We're reporting or we're having reports from our members suggesting into early next year now and as Mark quite rightly said, that 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 is unusual. In fact, it's unprecedented. The net results of that uh, can be quite catastrophic, actually, not only locally with individual installers, but for us as uh, as an industry could be 
really quite problematic for us as as um, you know in things like industry reputation can get knocked on the back of some of this stuff. I mean, we have got a you know I hate to be pessimistic, Andy. I really do. I, I try to be as optimistic as I possibly can because there's a lot of good to be had from what's happening at the moment. There's 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 no doubt about that. But we have got a perfect storm of ingredients here for issues for and challenges for our industry and. Um, I think it's really important that we're all quite mindful, respectful and accepting of that at the moment because, you know, we've got a lot of people that are under a lot of pressure and I can see the, the creaks and strains of the industry starting to uh, to occur. Yeah, since this, uh, well, you've always talked about this, but certainly since the pandemic began and the high demand that came after it began, you have been given some very stark warnings about what the future will hold if nothing is done. So has the lockdown experience, you think, led to any progress from your point of view, even if it's a change of attitude rather than a, you know, a solution? Yes, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, actually, Andy. I think, um, you know, if I'm to take some positives away from, from what's happening at the moment, I think it's all important that we take a look at ourselves and... Um, Whilst the last 18 months has been fairly horrible for everybody, I think it's really important that we try to get something positive from it. The positive stuff for us as an institute is that I think it's a little bit, we're a bit like a lifeboat on a, on a brand new ship in that, you know, whilst the, the seas are calm and everything's great, nobody pays any attention to the lifeboat. It's not really needed and thank heavens for that. But of course, when the water starts to get a little bit choppy, everybody's eye starts and attention starts to focus to potential solutions to potential problems. And for us as an institute, I think it really has highlighted for a lot of people the importance of installation and, and actually the relevance that it plays to their to their business. We've we've had more contact, we've had more feedback, we've had more interaction, we've had more participation over the last 18 months than we probably have done in the 14 years prior to that. And I think it's because, well, A, we've been very, very visual and very, very vocal throughout this. We've not stepped away. We've stepped up, not away. And that, that was an important decision to make, an easy but an important decision to make. But I think, I think B, we've kind of been there. And I think a lot of the industry have, have seen that, appreciated that. And when you now couple that, with um, some very obvious challenges that the industry is facing as a result of installation, i.e. really, really long lead times and availability of installers, the pennies sort of drop for a lot of people, I think. And and that, that's been good for us, of course. I, you know, It's not something that I take any great pleasure out of, but but it is what it is. And a lot of people are just, just sort of, blimey, installation perhaps is a little bit more important than we, we, we first thought it was. So, so yeah, that's def- definitely been good for us, Andy. Mark, your business lives and dies on having teams of good fitters, obviously. So what's your day-to-day experience of trying to maintain those teams, A, and B, trying to grow your business and find more teams to, to fit in all these jobs? The teams we have, we're working off of three teams at the minute, and those guys are, are first class and they're, they're really they've stepped up every opportunity and we try to support them as much as we can. When obviously the initial surge in work, we look to to expand and, and take on another team, another two teams. Wary of doing that because expanding quickly and taking on that volume of work can can hit elsewhere in the business and, and can we cope with that? But when we started looking for it, you know what, when whenever we put out a, an application out there for, for for people to come and work for us, you you, you often get the odd forklift driver and things like that that fancy themselves as a kitchen fitter and 
we found out we weren't even getting them. Um, there was there is nobody out there. There is nobody applying. Um, so that being able to take on additional installers just wasn't an option. You know, I was worried about about that, that, that maybe trying to find, obviously we've got to keep our standards high. So finding the right guy was not, do we start throwing money at it? Do we, what do we do? And we made a conscious decision to actually at this moment in time to back away from it and not, we're not looking to take on anybody else at this moment in time. Instead, we are focusing on being better at what we do because we're just so wary of just grabbing anybody because of the volume of work. This is a really good point, actually. I must say, your approach has always been very, very good to this sort of stuff, Mark. But one of the key issues that will come from from this is the pressure that's put upon the, the current workforce. Retailers, consumers, obviously driven by consumers, will want more and more from its people. And, and of course, why wouldn't it? That's, you know, that's, that's natural. What that that does it just applies people to get bums on seats and, and and that doesn't work in our industry because quality is very very important but you automatically start to shift the skill set from um, very 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 good kitchen bedroom and bathroom fitters who are very experienced at, at managing one or two or three teams to a business that's you know where pressure's applied so hard that that they're being asked to grow bigger teams quicker. And that's when you start to see um, real elements of, of failure because you're asking for, for installers to actually change uh, their business models at pace in the middle of a, a busy time. It's Again, it's just adding to this, this perfect storm of problems on the way. And we're, we're seeing it at the moment, the amount of people, the sheer volume of people that are coming to us looking to connect with installers at the moment is just staggering, Andy. It's, I mean, it's just it's staggering. It's a constant resistance, Mark, isn't it, to, to cut corners, to get jobs done quicker, to, to get on to the next one. You know, you've got to have the focus to maintain yeah. the quality. That, that's our worry. And well, that was definitely my worry because I spend all this time trying to build up, you know, this reputation of the company. And then, and then suddenly, because of the pressure you're feeling, you know, absolutely, from, from every angle, it's so easy to for us to start pushing that onto our guys and saying, oh, no, you've got to work quick, you've got to keep going. And we're like, no, this isn't right. We're, all we're going to do is screw up our reputation. And it doesn't take much. Do you know what I mean? To, to, and as I say, and that can happen as an industry if we start pushing and everybody just starts just rushing through everything. We've got to keep the, hand, the standards high and find that, find that balance. Damien, obviously everyone's experiencing this now and everyone's looking for fitters that just aren't there and, and um, they can't even find the forklift drivers who want to be fitters, probably because I'm sure there's a skill shortage in the forklift driving industry as well, probably. But there's no short-term solution to this, obviously. There's no, there's nothing a retailer can do to suddenly magic up installers, right? So we, we've, we've kind of got to accept that. But what practically can those retailers do to alleviate this issue in the long term because you know there's no obvious solution in the short term but if they if they don't want to face this again they're going to have to do something but what can they do tomorrow about it that's really good points and a, a very sort of practical approach to this in, in no you, you're right those installers that they're, they're not there people are looking for installers to connect with installers but the stark reality is is that they are simply not there. And, and and that's not as a result of a pandemic. That's not as a result of Brexit. Actually, those are two problems that have, that have exposed the real issue here. 
which is a lack of investment in vocational learning over the last 20 years. That's that's the problem here. From a retailer point of view, I absolutely plea with you all that the first thing that you do is that you take a really realistic, albeit quite a bitter pill to swallow, approach to this. You will be applying pressure on your installation teams. You will be applying pressure on your installation management teams, perhaps to go out there and reduce these lead times at pace. But please, please, please don't do so at the risk of quality and the cost of quality, because when you get things and when you get people in place at pace, quality will always suffer as a result of that. And we we see that in normal peak trading. But these are extraordinary times that will be magnified if we get this wrong. First and foremost, our retailers just need to be honest with themselves and they need to be honest with their customers to say that quality installers are simply not available for you like they were before. So where you might have been wanting a kitchen, a bedroom or a bathroom fitted within the next six to eight weeks this time of year, that's just not going to happen. So let's just move beyond that because everybody is facing the same problem here. The second thing that they can do is that they can work very closely with their existing installer population. We mustn't forget these people. This is a group of people now that have become more valuable overnight. Now, valuable doesn't mean throwing more money at at things because I believe that's always going to be a race to the bottom because the customer will only pay so much. But what I do say is that bringing installers and installations into your business really embracing them, communicating with them, valuing them and showing them that you value them is more important now than it has ever been. Because if you think you've got a problem now with your existing workforce, imagine if some of those people start walking away and choosing other options because there are plenty of options out there for them at the moment. And then probably from a medium to long-term perspective, Andy, the, the absolute crux of this and you know, I will unashamedly say this, is that you need to get behind us as an industry. It's as simple and as straightforward as that. There is nobody else out there that is trying to fix this at the scale that we are trying to fix this at the moment. We are out there looking at medium to long-term solutions. In fact, we're even looking at some short-term solutions in terms of retraining. We're about very shortly to announce our bronze award with the Armed Forces Covenant. And that's just not a sticker that we stick above our shop. We haven't got shop. This is a real partnership with the Ministry of Defence to take some ex-personnel, some former uh, military personnel and people that are finishing their career there, really utilising their transferable skills and getting them uh, into our industry at pace. Uh, And we can do that, actually, because that's an industry that has got a lot of transferable skill. This isn't somebody that was operating a forklift truck. These are carpenters, plumbers, electricians and general maintenance people that we can bring into this industry. But the biggest thing that we've got to do, Andy, and, and there is no other solution to this, I'm sorry to say, is that we have got to grow our own installer population. And the only way we can do that is through apprenticeships. And that's not something that is a pipe dream anymore. We've done it. We've created the apprenticeship as as an industry, not just us, but we've created this. And all we're doing now is looking to replicate this across the country. And the only way that that is going to be a success 
is if the industry gets behind it, that suppliers, distributors and manufacturers putting their hand in their pocket and making it happen, like, like a lot of businesses, like our corporate sponsors have to date. But we need more. We, we, we will always need more. We need retailers to encourage their installers to be part of the Bigby family because those installers will be future employers of the apprentices. We, we can't offer apprenticeships without having employers that drive that. And we've got solutions for these businesses to support them. But the retailer, like, a, like in lots of instances in the past, usually drive this change. And that's because they have a much wider uh, a peripheral vision uh, of the industry and, and, and are able to, to really forecast you know, the challenges of this industry. So for any retailer out there, you know, it's very, very important that you connect with us talk to us and um you know in a lot of instances it doesn't cost anything i'm not we're not asking for people to join us and give us money sometimes this is just a case of connecting with us and allowing us to connect with their audience and that's what we want to do we've got the solution we just need people to get behind it now andy mark is the problem here that damien's absolutely right but everything he describes here takes time and time is obviously the, the resource of the people are the most limited in at the moment. It's this strange paradox, isn't it, that, that you need this help when you're busy, but when you're busy, you just simply don't have the time to commit yourself to investigating things like apprenticeships or taking apprentices on. That's exactly right. And you don't have the time to invest. No, taking on young people, you've really, you've got to, you can't just bring them on and, then, and leave them to the side. You've really got to invest time and energy and 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 that's the, the you know like the tradesmen the fitters uh, spending and showing them and teaching them and mistakes will happen and you just do not have time at, the, at this moment in time we don't have time. This is stress a very real practical problem you got there, Mark. And uh, yeah, I I hear you fully on that one. It, it, no, it's, it's, it's quite difficult, but everything that's happening right now and, and yourself, Damien, and everything that you're doing. It's fantastic because it's it's that all we can do is is look to the future, and we we can't fix this right now, and and you know what and if and if you actually the bigger problem is, like we said, all the all the fifty year old fitters in ten years are going to be are looking to retire, and all the experienced guys are, are going to be coming out of the game, and that's what we've got to focus on bringing youth in to naturally replace that. If we bring in I don't know how many fitters you would need to fix the problem right now, but if suddenly we had another 10,000 fitters, then what's going to happen once this goes away, the pandemic comes down? All you've done is diluted all the work for everybody else. And so everybody else is just going to you know, walk away. You've got you've got to get that balance right. So accepting that, you know what, there's very little we can do about this at the minute. We can, the, the retailers can work with the installers and, and yeah, pick up the phone and say, hey, how are you doing? That, that would be nice. I mean, and, and connecting and supporting them in whatever way they can and say, what can we do to help you? That it's, would be good. It's quite an interesting point you make there, actually. And and we, we kind of see and hear this on a daily basis around, at the moment, it's Christmas for installers in many respects. They, they can, you know, they have a license to print their own money at the moment. Why on earth would we want to bring other people into the industry? Because it will dilute the work. But actually, the, the reality we have here is that, Unless we look at this future workforce, unless we look at bringing people in, the industry will suffer as a whole. And and what I mean by that is that, uh, and and, and you've you've seen it, we've seen it before with the double glazing industry in the 80s and 90s, 
We've seen it with the renewable energy industry more recently with solar panels on your roof that are not happening anymore as a result of uh, skills gap uh, shortages. Wherever you get opportunity, and that's what this that's what this industry is presenting now, actually, for tradespeople or wannabe tradespeople, you'll always attract the opportunist. And when the opportunist descends, that's where reputational damage cause. When reputational damage is uh, is introduced to the industry, that's bad for everybody, and everybody becomes tarred with the same brush. So Christmas today. But this could very, very soon turn into a situation whereby the industry has been absolutely affected by cowboys descending upon the industry. Now, if we look at supporting apprenticeship schemes in particular, and, and, and you're right, Mark, when you say that there are these installers in their 50s, I mean, the, the surveying that we've done recently and we published recently highlighted that a lot of our membership are in their 50s, many of whom are going to be retiring within the next 10 years and 80% plus of those have no legacy plan, which means they'll close the businesses and there's nobody to take over. What an apprenticeship will do is perhaps provide them with a legacy. So this could be their pension fund, allowing them to bring the next generation and continue the business going whilst they don't have to spend too much time on their knees. But importantly, the time it takes to embed an apprentice they're not going to be coming in in two years and taking your business away from you. This is something that actually is going to happen quite naturally over the course of the next five to six to seven to eight to nine to 10 years. So when the likes of Mark and Tom are, are thinking about retiring, there will be a fresh new workforce in there, perhaps even supporting their business to move on to the next phase. So apprenticeships isn't about diluting what's already there. It's about providing solutions for the future. And, and, and that's something we've, we've really got to focus on. A lot of retailers, of course, don't employ fitters. They don't have them on payroll, if you like. They don't have their own fitting team. Some do and some don't. But those that don't tend to either recommend good fitters to their customers or they obviously work very closely with, the, with, with sort of freelance guys. You know, they're not in a position to take on apprentices or to, to do anything with apprentices themselves. But is there anything they can do to play their part in, in this long-term plan? Oh, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, whether you employ fitters or not, I think the key thing is is these retailers need to be engaging their installers, talking to them about what the future looks like, bringing them into that family and perhaps introducing them to services, support services like the services that the Institute offer to these installers to say, look, there is an institute here to support you that, that not, not only can support you short and medium term, but could even help long term. And, and I think it's just having some some sort of focus towards installations above and beyond the immediate need of customer demand, because usually the engagement between retailer and installer doesn't extend beyond that the here and now. You know, we've got we've got customers that you need to serve, and it's as simple and as straightforward as that. I think what retailers need to be doing is thinking about their relationship with installers, and more importantly how they can support their installers to be better, to grow, to develop, and to essentially promote their, their service to the industry over the next 10 years and beyond. Because whether you employ installers or not, your customers will want to connect with a professional installer at some point. And you know, if retailers don't support that, whether they employ or not, then I think it will be uh, their potential peril. I mean, we're just in August here, and you've got these guys up in Scotland, Liberty, saying they're not available until December 
and before you know it, it'll be January next year. I mean, that is, if that isn't a warning sign to this industry, I really don't know what is. And I think that there'll be more of that to come. I, I don't think, I don't think we've even seen the worst of it yet. Mark, do you think, Damien touched on it earlier on, but would you look to support from the wider industry, for example, manufacturers, distributors, like Damien said, in terms of perhaps funding or providing some kind of resource to help you take these guys on? I think that would be really helpful. Again, with the, with the retailers and support, one, I would, I would, I'm going to guess, I don't know the numbers here, but I'm going to guess that the majority of installers are working for the big sheds across the country. And I'm going to guess that most of the majority of installers are one-man bands. So you've got a one-man band. How does he take on? He takes on an apprentice. That's a financial cost. You know, an average fitter is making a, a decent living. He's not loaded. He's not no. He's not making bucket loads of money. He's making a good living. And to take on an apprentice is an investment on his part. But the mentality is going to be: I've had it done. It, I've seen it. In the past, when you bring someone on, you train them up, you get them up to the you know, the best they could be, and they walk, and they go and do it. And the stores are standing there with their arms open, ready to take them. And now suddenly, again, you have diluted your own work. So the mentality is, why would I do that to myself? I mean, everybody's going to look, just look to themselves and think, you know what, I'm just going to look after myself just now. So this relationship between between the retailer and, and the installers is so important. The loyalty, showing loyalty to them, speaking to them, asking them about problems that they're having. How can we help you? That's the way it used to be you know, back in MFI days. That was a real family. Everything was done at store level and you were really connected with your salesmen, with your managers, everything. You were in there all the time. And, and that doesn't exist now. And you're just, the installers are, are pretty much a number or the majority are a number. So I think a big thing, yeah, the retailers pick up that phone and speak to your installer and, and ask them, how can, how can they help? I think it'd be a big step forward. <laughs> if that's not a powerful message for retailers to, to hear, I don't, I don't know what is. I think you put that very well, uh, actually. Can I answer a couple of points there, though? Because you made some couple of real sort of key points there. One is around the sort of SME the tiny sort of one-man band uh, outfit and what support is available to them. We're going to soon be coming out to the industry to tell them exactly what support is available to them. So there is lots. We've been really quite smart about apprenticeships, not in terms of just creating and supporting the development of it, but how we put the SME to take on an apprentice. Because, yeah, you're right. It absolutely does take an investment. And I think the biggest investment that that most installers will take as an employer of an apprentice would be the time to invest in that individual. And um, it's like anything, if, if, if you're an employer, not from an installer point of view, but if you own a company anywhere, um, you've got to invest in your, your employees. And um, an apprenticeships is certainly no different to that. But from a funding point of view, the, the government are throwing more money at this and, and that employers more now than ever. So there are huge financial incentives to take uh, apprentices on, kickstart programs, levy sharing. There, there's, a, there's a whole number of things that are in place to support them. And, and the Institute will, will really provide the industry and, uh, and their potential employers with some clarity on that over the next few weeks to kind of watch this space. The other thing that we've done is that we've, um, we're in partnership with an, what, what they call an ATA, which is an Apprenticeship Training Association. 
And that is a business that works very, very closely with employers to employ and support the delivery of apprenticeships. It takes away all of that admin. It takes away all of that process. And most of it is funded, by the way, by government. But it's a very, very good service that's you know probably more important for the SME than it is anybody else. So, so there's, there's going to be some great big supportive measures in place for that. The second point you made is about installers leaving. So you you guys investing and in two or three years, them, you know, these guys just getting up and disappearing. Well, that's always going to be a risk for an employer. That will always be a risk for an employer. Whenever, whenever you employ somebody, you, you are going to invest in them, time, effort, energy, money, focus, and all of that sort of stuff. And there will always be an instance perhaps where they will want to move on and do something different. And that's something we, we, we've kind of all got to accept that that's just, that's human nature and that's the way we work. But what I would say is a bit like any business that when you take on an apprentice, don't take on somebody that's potentially some cheap labor that can do the bits that you don't ordinarily want to do. Don't take on somebody with a short-term vision. Invest in that person and their vision in your business and Mark, you, you've got a business that is second to none in terms of the way that you set up, in terms of your vision as a company, taking somebody on and, and don't just create an installer, create somebody that probably will be a future business, could, could even be leading your business in, in five or 10 years when, when you step back and do something different, I think actually will encourage good kids to come through the system and want to be part of this industry don't pay them the five pound, whatever it is, minimum apprenticeship uh, per hour fee, because, you know, you pay for what you get in the same way that, that customers do when they go for a cheap option. You know, really invest in these kids, get them to understand the future, their future within your business, within the industry. And we've got a really good chance, you know, a really good chance of keeping hold of them. This is all about us now and about what we do as opposed to what might happen. Apprenticeships are very different. Kids are very different now than they used to be. And I, I know through personal experience, and we've engaged thousands of kids through lockdown uh, digitally in terms of talking to them about the opportunities within this industry. They are switched on. They are ready. They understand the opportunities loosely. It's now for us to go in there and present those opportunities to these kids and, and set up some jobs so that they can apply for these apprenticeships. Well, look, chaps, on that bombshell, on that note, we're going to have to end it there. The clock's beaten as we can clearly talk about this all day, couldn't we? You know, it's clearly a massive issue. It's a subject we can't solve in a short time, but it's something that touches every corner of the industry so no one can claim that they can't be part of the solution. But thank you so much for your time, chaps. We will revisit this again, I promise. Damien, have a good day. Thank you. Mark, get yourself off to bed. (laughs) Is it it really worth it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I started uh, three hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, push on through. Afternoon now. <laughs> okay, thanks, Andy. Thanks, chaps. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, Andy. Take care. That was Damien Walters and Mark Conacher there. Just so interesting to get that kind of insight into such a sensitive yet crucial issue. And with no short-term solution in place, it will be fascinating to see what happens next and if there is a real tangible momentum to try and fix it in the long term. I'll be back next week. See you then. Thank you.